Robbie Catherine Anthony has a to-do list. Building a feminine wardrobe is on there. Laser hair removal is on there too. And recently she crossed off a big one. Update gender marker on driver's license. There is just something magical about seeing a government-issued document amended with the F letter. It was a full circle moment for Robbie. When she was 15 and getting her learner's permit, it was printed with something unexpected. They accidentally put a F as the gender marker for female. And I remember my mom was just really quick, like, oh, we need to go get that fixed. And, you know, just kind of quietly like, well, we don't really need to. I mean, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But her mother insisted that she change the unintentional F. Getting it updated was just crushing, you know? It was like, there is the alternative option out there that really resonates with me. It would take over a decade for Robbie to correct the gender marker on her license. Changing your ID is never without bureaucratic complexity for people who are trans. States have different requirements. It could be a doctor's note in one state or a court date, along with a huge court fee in another. To finally get it done, it felt restorative. It felt nourishing in in a way that I could always have this little piece of plastic in my pocket, knowing that a government entity knew and recognized me as the woman I am. Changing her license was just one of 36 social, emotional, and legal goals that Robbie is tracking in her transition. For Robbie, this to-do list is also part of her livelihood. Welcome to Business Curious, a podcast by GoDaddy about LGBTQ entrepreneurs and their journeys from passion to purpose. I'm Scott Shigeoka. Today, we're getting to know Robbie Catherine Anthony, founder of Euphoria. Euphoria is a platform with a set of apps that help trans people navigate their own transition. There's a saving app and an app for daily affirmations, but today we'll be talking about the app called Solace. Solace helps people manage and track their transition goals. And for Robbie, it's not just a business, this is personal. It's her own life experience that inspired her to create Solace to make other people's transition easier than her own. My transitions really sucked. I expected it to be a little bit different. I expected just given the cultural narrative and, you know, the alleged transgender tipping point in 2015, like there'd be some sort of like guidebook or like manual or app. And, you know, there was just nothing. It was this constant trail by braille experience. So Robbie set out to create that guidebook, a compendium of updated information and resources that would allow someone to design their own transition journey and track their progress. People build their transition list. We don't impose any sort of standard on what the right way to transition is. And then they can see like, oh, hey, I've got 15 goals or I've got 30 goals. And as they're checking that off, they can see their little progress bar, you know, slowly inch forward. It's up to the user to define what steps their transition truly consists of. The app helps to detangle the complexity of the medical and legal aspects of transitioning by connecting users to relevant resources in their area. And it identifies other goals that are more social and emotional in nature. What does it mean to date as a trans person? How do you come out to your family? How do you recontextualize the vision and the love you have for yourself 
in the face of hardship and in the spite of others? And how am I going to be happy when, you know, my transition is complete? That is really the center of where our work orbits. It's trying to answer that and speak to that in a technological way. In 2019, Robbie and her co-founder won Hackout, a hackathon created for developing LGBT software. And at first, Robbie wanted to form Euphoria as a nonprofit, but grant-making institutions didn't understand or typically fund technology solutions. So they shifted to raising money and pitching to investors. But as soon as she walked in the door to pitch, she felt investors would just write her off. You know, someone come up to me afterwards and they'd be like, wow, I totally expected you to, to bomb. Like, I expected you to fail. It's in those moments that are kind of unnerving because it's like, you, you never met me. You don't know anything about me. And what you're saying is that you do appreciate what I had to say. But prior to that, you already made a critical assumption that I wasn't worthy of being here. I mean, I'm six foot four. I've got an ultra deep voice. You know, I, I, I carry some unique characteristics. People are very judgmental at first blush. It takes about 20 minutes of talking to me uh, and then people acclimate to my voice and that's just like, wow, that's just a woman with a deep voice. The investor experience for trans entrepreneurs can be exhausting. Some investors would ask Robbie for her dead name. People would constantly misgender her or they would assume that all trans people were too poor to buy products made just for them. And what do you do? Do you tell them to take a hike if they're the last kind of lifeline you have to the deal that can get the job done? It was fundraising hell, and we got our teeth kicked in quite a bit. Despite these horrific experiences, Robbie wanted to make sure she was paving the way for other trans entrepreneurs ahead of her. It's worth it to be able to kind of deal with their impropriety educate them, and then say, hey, there's other people out here that deserve a fair look. Robbie faced rejection after rejection. And then finally, a friend connected her to a firm that was working with Chelsea Clinton. The friend passed along Robbie's info, and Chelsea wanted to meet. I pitched my heart out. It's, it's a very emotional pitch. But two weeks later, Chelsea Clinton got back in touch, and they said Euphoria wasn't a fit. And at that point, I'm ready to cry because I thought that was our best possible shot. And there's this long, painful pause. And then Chelsea says, but I'm going to personally invest $100,000 into your company. She also made a point to say, because I shared with her that other investors had been asking for my former name and misgendering me. She said she was partially doing that to ensure that that never happened again. It, it didn't feel real. It still doesn't feel real, even in retrospect. When Euphoria was written up about their new funding, some folks in the trans community were upset. Detractors claim that Euphoria was profiting off of the suffering of trans people. I get the friction because we are presenting, you know, kind of a new way of getting this done. But I think the detractors seem to miss the point that not everyone wants a community-based transition. We want to give people agency and dignity. And, and part of agency and dignity is letting people decide what their transition looks like on their own terms. Robbie thinks there's many ways to support someone with their transition, and one approach doesn't cancel out the other. She doesn't have much faith in support groups, which she calls a community-based transition, 
because she says her own experiences with these groups wasn't what she was looking for. It sounds very, very nice to have this wonderful community and these people that can teach you all the things that you need about transition, but that's a very lucky use case. Hmm. I, I wonder if there's a world where both can exist and also um, support and elevate each other. You know, technology is inherently disruptive and it does have a way of agitating older systems. The greatest link between Euphoria and the support groups, you know, really exists in the chasm between the life as a trans person in the metro and a trans person in the rural. You know, we just kept on thinking about the people that couldn't access the support groups or the community centers. It's like, well, everyone owns a smartphone. Everyone can download an app. Then almost anyone in the country can get it. If you're in a rural city, for example, and you need to find a doctor who will write you a letter so you can get your driver's license update or you can start hormone replacement therapy. It is generally not well-publicized information. It is becoming easier to search for it online. It is becoming easier to make phone calls. But a lot of these steps can kind of appear as if they're hidden economies. Robbie says she may never fully understand the criticism from the trans community about her platform. But I do understand, you know, people's nervousness about entrusting a technology company with a very sensitive process and a very intimate and, you know, difficult one at that. Solace is a free app with some paid features. And Robbie has promised confidentiality for those who use the app. She insists there is no mining for personal data or attaching tracking pixels to users' phones. What's a tracking pixel, you ask? Well, you know how they say when a service is free, the user is the product? Sometimes when an app is free to a user, it makes its money by planting a tracking pixel on a user's phone. That pixel tracks where a person goes even after they close the app. And that app can sell this marketing data to the highest bidder. We could have done that, and we probably would have had you know, significant monetization from it. It's really coveted data. But instead, we chose that we would never do that, and we actually handcuffed ourselves um, in a technological sense from being able to see user data. Very likely, another company will come along, or maybe one already has, that will mine data from trans people. And in doing so, that coveted data would create a new market segment for advertisers to target. The first person that does it, they are going to create, yeah, an opportunity to be able to kind of engage, you know, the machinations of capitalism to identify this consumer segment and create highly targeted solutions. So that's a plus side. The downside is, you know, this is a vulnerable community. And so I think people are nervous about being identified by that characteristic. People rightfully recognize that euphoria is positioned to be able to pull something like that off. I can say I'll never do it as long as I'm leading this company, but I get from an outsider why that would be scary. I actually, I do really understand. I'd burn this company down if we ever, you know, mined anyone's data and leveraged it. Euphoria is committed to their users' privacy, and so they don't know exactly how many people actually use the app. They say a significant portion of the trans community are already users. One of the number one users of the app is Robbie herself. 
by and large, I thought I'd figured out the Solace experience. I thought it was all about progression. It was about having the individual capability of getting something done. And then something happened that made Robbie realize how personal the app could be. She and this guy were on their first date, her first date ever with a man. And they actually met at the same bar in her neighborhood where the idea for Solace was born. We start talking about work. And then he asked me what I'm doing. And I'm just really excited. I pull out my phone. I'm just like, I make an app. You know, it's really cool. And it's really personal to me. We start scrolling through my list and I'm explaining it. And he sees, you know, all these pink boxes that indicate, you know, these are goals that I've done. And then he sees just the, the clear box that says dating. And he's like, why isn't that one pink? I'm just like, well, that means I haven't done it yet. And he looks at me and he taps it and he says, you've done it now. It, it surprised me because I didn't think anyone else would check off a goal for me. But I had this communal and shared experience with someone. And it wasn't just two trans individuals commiserating about what went well and what didn't. It was me interacting with someone outside of my community and saying, you are making progress in this and then being able to share it. Oh, it just made my heart sore. He walked her home and before saying goodbye, he kissed her goodnight. It was her first time being kissed by a man. I felt like the absolute woman, you know, that I'd long aspired to be. I just felt like a girl. I loved it. Business Curious is a GoDaddy podcast. I'm Scott Shigeoka. Special thanks to Robbie Catherine Anthony for telling her story. Check out euphoria.lgbt for information or download the app Solace. We could not have made this episode without Marlo Lopez, Adam Palmer, and Jessica Hunter. This episode was produced by Evan Roberts and mixed by Sami Hiromi. If you like this episode, please do us a solid and share it with your network. Follow us or write a review. We need your help in making sure that this hits the ears of other queers. And be on the lookout for our future episodes this season. We have a few more amazing stories coming up, and I'm so excited to share them with you. Thanks for listening. 